Hello, I'm Taylor. I'm Ryan. And this is Unbetween. Hey folks, welcome to the third episode in the series that we have been doing. Entrench, Deconstruct, and Disengage. And we did Entrench and Deconstruct already, and so we're going to jump into Disengagement this time around. I don't want to give too much away except to say that I hope you will stick with us all the way through because we go through some kind of bumpy stuff, but I think we land in a really good place. And if you are somebody who has experienced the desire to disengage or seen that in your life or in the lives of the people around you, disengage from the church or disengage from Christianity or organized religion, whatever it may be. We hope that this conversation is really helpful for you. And we identify with you more than we can put into words. But at any rate, let's get to it. So I may be wrong in this, but I kind of feel like this may be the one you've been waiting for. What makes you say that? I'm not real sure. I just feel like every time we've, we've had our episodes, there's been this kind of, well, when we get to disengage or when we follow it up, that I feel like you've been anxious to discuss, but maybe I'm wrong. Or not anxious, but eager. <laughs> That's probably a good word. Yeah. There's probably some truth in that. Um, I think it's having to do with it's the one of the three that I identify with most. Um, mm-hmm. for any number of reasons. But having grown up and seeing entrenchment from people of faith, myself included in some ways, and then having deconstructed some of that, both, as we mentioned last time, both in terms of my personal faith and then also the kind of religious experience or religious structure that I was in, having deconstructed some of those and then rebuilt things in their place and sort of reoriented my identity. I think disengage is the one I would most readily do. It's the Hmm. one I'm most, uh, that I can fall into the easiest because I really, um, I, I really relate to people who are, who are feeling the need to disengage in that I see entrenchment around me and I see deconstruction around me. And it seems like a lot of the people that I talk to or read stuff from are falling into one camp or the other. And they're certainly the most strident and clamorous Mm -hmm. uh, folks in the conversation. You'll hear their voices the loudest. And um, it just, one feels more and more like you you don't belong with anybody particularly in the church i have felt that way for most of my adult life i think not in a woe is me kind of way or nobody gets me it's it, it's not like that i don't think but it's more just this feeling of you know most of the people around me a lot of the stuff that i'm passionate about and the stuff that's important to me is probably not i'm probably not going to connect on that level with most of the folks around me Hmm. and from conversations you and I have had and that I've had with any number of other people I know I'm not alone in that and that even if folks are not camping out in that spot they have those feelings I've, I've read some things lately particularly in our kind of the public conversation around Christianity and faith that's happening in our country 
right now and over the last couple of years, a lot of I've seen a number of people use the use the phrase "I feel homeless." They're mm. looking at their yeah. denomination, their church congregation, their political party, the faith leaders in their tradition, um, and they don't see anybody that seems to care, or they see very few people that seem to care about the same kinds of things that they do, and who want the same kind of faith that they see in the scriptures. And I'm, I don't want to put myself or people on pedestals here. It's just that when you, when you drag yourself out of entrenchment and you deconstruct the stuff that you didn't need, you do have to build something in its place. And a lot of times, it's, uh, we, we touched a bit on simplicity in our last conversation about deconstruction and that, that hunger for that authentic, real simple mundane really faith that Mm -hmm. kind of in infects if i can use that word every aspect of your life and isn't as much concerned with like big spiritual mountaintop moments or feelings or the instagram post and it can be challenging if you feel like you're surrounded by a whole lot of people that that's not what they're looking for and that is an ongoing struggle for me to not kind of gather those feelings around myself and take my toys and go home <laughs> as yeah. it were. And so I, yeah. I guess if, if there's, if it has seemed like there's been some eagerness on my part, it's because I think I feel this one the most, if I can sum it up that way. Yeah. Well, and, and I think there's something to be said for uh, th- this one being when you can slip into quietly, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, you can disengage without having to let a lot of people know. Yeah. You can keep doing what you've been doing, keep going to church, but really not be there. And you mentioned that with the Instagram post, which I know we, we, we harp on some, I, I for sure do at least, um, just because of what I see. But I, I kind of came to the realization that this past couple of weeks, that there's a lot of people who are quick to post um, whatever the bestseller is on the Christian book list or, you know, whatever author's popular, kind of their highlighted snippet of that. but. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but are you doing it to be trendy? Are you doing it to appear one way? And, you know, if, if not, what, what's, what's beyond that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it's one thing to disengage, but it's another to never, ever have been engaged, Hmm. you know? And I think there's a a distinction there. Yeah. Might have to go chew on that for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like the church is, if we're going to look at kind of what we have with deconstruction, with entrenchment, and really one of the common things is being told something for a long time. Um, Just because you're told something, just because you can talk about it or regurgitate it, so to say, doesn't mean it's ever really been engaging to you Mm. or captivated your attention and your interest. Yeah, and I think I've seen that when you feel like that the experience that other people are there for is not what you're there for. And that can feel yeah. very isolating. Yeah, it, it can. And I, I think we have to be careful when, and, and you kind of mentioned it a second ago saying, uh, I think we had you word at the next mountaintop experience or whatever, but if we're just seeking those experiences, um, you may be on a roller coaster of engagement and disengagement your whole life. You yeah. know, yeah. if you're not truly seeking uh, God and who he is, regardless of, where you're at in your life um, and how that feels to you. And what I think is important to note is that 
what we're talking about in this conversation is not the folks who is not the deconstruct folks. I think there's there's a fine line between deconstruct and disengage sometimes. But what we're talking about is the person who has not lost their faith, who still believes in God, who still has a relationship with God, who is a Christian, Mm -hmm. who believes the scriptures are true and God's revelation to us and wants to live by them, but does not feel like there is a community of believers in which they can be themselves and follow God the way that they're called to. And it's a challenging place to be. I I have been there and... Again, it's the one I think I'm closest to being if I'm going to stray off into one of these three. And there was a quote that I heard on a different podcast a few years ago. It was a Mark Solomon's podcast, uh, Never Was. And he was doing a show called Are You In? I think it was called. And he was getting letters and emails and things from people and basically just saying, you know, if you are still in, like in the church or in Christianity. Why? If you're out, why? Let's just, let's just hear from some stuff. Mm -hmm. A guy wrote him a letter and I only remember one line from the whole thing, but he had this, this fellow had left organized church, organized religion. And he said, I love the Lord and I love his word, but I can't see myself ever stepping foot in a church again. Hmm. And that, really resonated with me because I've had those feelings and have have had those thoughts before. And I can't let my selfishness and discomfort shortchange the work that God has me to do or the service that he's prepared for me, no matter how much I might not like the location he picked uh, Hmm. at any point in my life. And the fact is God at times asks us to do things and be places and to camp out in spots that we don't want to camp out in. And the Bible certainly is, is full of these kinds of accounts of the, the people of God being asked to do difficult things for a long time because God knows that that's what shapes us and that's what produces the kind of people that he wants us to be. So, at least in principle, I'm not opposed to doing something that's hard or uncomfortable. It isn't that. I think for myself and for a lot of other people, is there's this deep down genuine yearning for brotherhood, sisterhood, family. And they've tried it so many times and been burned so many times. And the desire hasn't gone away, they've just but they've lost hope that it can be there. And so they might run into somebody now and again, but that'll be the extent of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something I've struggled with in the past and um you know, a lot of times it's accompanied by a level of frustration that gives you that desire to kind of step away in, in some aspect. You know, I've, I've never really been um, disengaged from a church body per se, mm-hmm. but there have been times where even though I was there, I, I wasn't necessarily engaged in what was happening. Yeah. Um, because of, again, because of frustrations or because of, uh, I mean, you just said it, the lack of community. And mm-hmm. even when you're trying to build those things, um, that doesn't always mean that's the way the church wants to go, that, that part of the church. I mean, if you look at what the church is biblically, like it is a community of believers. That's what the, the universal church is. That's what, um, I mean, the Bible was written in many ways to be studied by communities. And, and Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's what it should be, but a lot of times churches aren't, aren't necessarily pushing that. 
Um, it's one of the things I was interested to learn is that I can't remember if it's 100%, but most of the you pronouns in the New Testament are plural, not singular. So hmm. like when Paul is addressing and he says you, it's plural. It's y'all, as we yeah. would say in our neck of the woods. <laughs> and, and like you said, certainly the New Testament is not written to the individual. It's written to, mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's, exp it's explicit to the saints living in Ephesus or to the believers living here or there, or write this down so that the people of Israel remember what God did. And it's very much a, uh, supposed to be this, this communal sense of identity that it's supposed to foster and create. This is uh, a pastor named Mike Erie, and he uh, is, I think he was out in Portland for a while, but he, he has a, a podcast called Vox, and they mm. deal with a lot of these same kind of questions that we like to talk about. Um, but this was, uh, this was at the end of August, and he said, I feel so freaking spiritually and politically homeless these days. Mm. Man, it, it kind of goes back to even while we started this. There's, there's a lack of people who are willing to occupy some kind of a middle ground. Yeah. And so if you're there, if that's where you're at spiritually, politically, uh, whatever it is, and people aren't willing to be there with you. Yeah. Well, well sure. You, you don't feel like you have anywhere to go. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, your, your story is a, a great example of that. And you mentioned that you hadn't had an extended period where you weren't in church, but I have. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few years ago, I was on staff at a church, and that didn't, uh, it didn't turn out <laughs> in the way that we all thought that it might. And there was a period after I left there that we weren't going anywhere for several months. And honestly, I didn't miss it. It was a break. Um, mm -hmm. At the time, I didn't miss it, I should say. But it's a difficult thing to make sense of because my experience, the, some of the most formative spiritual experiences that I had were when I was sort of 19, 20 and realizing that church as scripture describes it and as God intends it does not often, often does not look like the way that we do church in America. A lot of the stuff, I think we mentioned this last time, a lot of the stuff is not necessarily good or bad. It's just we, it's what we've always done, and we've ceased to kind of step back and think about what we do and how we do it and whether or not it's a good thing. And getting to learn, looking at Acts. So the, um, let me just grab my Bible here. In Acts chapter 2, uh, in ver verse 42, they've just had Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit has just has just come upon the believing community and a whole bunch of people follow Christ when Peter gets up and talks. And there's a whole lot of other threads and deeper stuff going on here, but for our purposes, in, in verse 42, this is right after 3,000 people decided to follow Christ that day. Um, and it said, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And... Not just to me, but to other people whose perspective I appreciate and think is wise. Those are the four essential elements of what biblical community is. And there's ways as far as when we get together and gather. And there's other mm -hmm. elements that are a part of that. Worship through music is part of that, I think. And there's some other things that you could throw in there that kind of flow out of that. But when I think of 
at its core what I don't want to say ideal because we don't just want to just copy things blindly, but basically this is kind of the yardstick stick that I use to measure things that we should be focusing on these things and kind of what they represent and what they're for. And so apostles teaching, well, that's somebody teaching the scriptures, breaking them down, helping us understanding fellowship. That's pretty straightforward. Like mm -hmm. let's hang out together, talk about our lives, have fun. Uh, Let's have some food <laughs> yeah. because humans like to eat and, and let's pray together. And I feel like, I feel like anything on top of that potentially is a distraction from what is most essential. And so when you already feel like, man, most, if not all of these people, I just, I can't connect with on this basic level, add to it that the going definition of church often does not include all of those things. It includes mm -hmm. some version of them and often very diluted with a, a whole bunch of other stuff added to it to circle back. I had very formative experiences that looked like what that verse describes when I was younger. And it was so much more vibrant and alive than a lot of the church experiences I was having at the time for whatever reason. And Maybe it was my, um, could be youthful arrogance. It could be, it could have been that it was authentic. But what I can say is at the time, it felt totally different than the other stuff I had been a part of. And so you come out of that. And on the one hand, you don't want to settle for anything less than that. You know, when you have something that is so formative and so strong and so kind of full of life, from, from my perspective anyway, at the time, and then you go to something else and it's like, well, this is, this is church. This is how it's supposed to be. Uh, no, it's not. And <laughs> th this isn't enjoyable or, or vibrant or alive. And I don't want any part of this if this is what it's going to be. But at the same time, you can't camp out on an experience you had when you were 19 and say, I'm going to measure the rest mm -hmm. of my life by this. That's not wise or mature. And so at least for me, I'm trying to find the balance of those things. And I'm trying to figure out every day, every week, where is it that I need to land on that stuff? And I can't help but think that there are other people who are trying to work through those kinds of issues also. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I mean, now you're in a different place. I mean, when we're talking about kind of that, that time when you did disengage, I mean, my guess would be that obviously you're, you're, you're coming to that point because you don't feel like what you need or, or I mean, what you need is not there. You know, what you're reading yeah. biblically you're to have is not there. So you're, so you're pulling back, you're, you're pushing that away. But did you, I, I mean, obviously I'm guessing you never felt like you got that as you pulled away, but if it wasn't there, you weren't going to just sit around waiting for it. I think the difference is that, uh, and, and I don't know that this wasn't true the first time around, but when when we as a family knew God was nudging us this like the, to, okay, it's time to jump back in. It was very much a, you show up and help. You don't have to carry the weight of it. You don't have to be in charge unless somebody puts you in charge of something, but it is not your job to keep this thing going. Whereas mm -hmm. before it was. And, um, I think that was part of the difference was that our directive was very much the, these people need help with X, Y, and Z. Go serve. 
don't think mm-hmm. about it beyond that. Just just be there for people. And it doesn't matter whether or not you're getting anything out of it. Uh, that was Absolutely. both uh, my wife Summer and I, that we, we both felt, not felt, but we both heard that from God very strongly at the same time. Yeah. And it was, it was very clear that that's what we were supposed to do. And that turned out to be true, that that's what was needed. And that is still what's been needed of us. But, but it's very much a, uh, I don't want to call it a mission field, but, but it's very much a, you're here to work and you're here to serve and you're here to love people. Whether or not you get your needs met is beside the point. Because both of us have people in our lives, well, like, like this conversation you and I are having, mm-hmm. we have people in our lives that will pour into us in that way. And we know that. We have that community. It just it happens to not necessarily be within the context of a particular congregation, if that makes sense. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's interesting because we, we both went through this in different ways. Um, when I look back, I see a similar point in how I reengaged somewhere. You know, I, th- I think part of my problem was I wasn't wasn't truly listening to what God was telling me for some time. Mm. I think I had a clear picture of what God was telling me I needed, of what uh, the church I was a part of needed to look like. My problem was I was trying to force the church I was a part of to look like that. Yeah. And I, 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 in hindsight, do not believe that's what God was telling me to do. Uh, at a certain point, it became clear, and I remember sitting down with my wife and saying, look, I, I love this church we're in. I love the people here. We've invested a lot of our life here. But at this point, I, I feel I am being disobedient by staying here. Mm, yeah. I'm not yeah. listening to what God really wants. It became clear that, yeah, th- those were the things that God wanted me to be a part of, a church that, that was doing those things. But it wasn't to make that church do those. It was to go somewhere that was. And man, and, there, there mm-hmm. is no, I just want to throw this out there. There is no formula. There is no, if a church is doing these things, you need to get out. No. You need to listen to the Spirit of God and do what He's telling you, the end. And I say that as somebody who has done the thing I wasn't supposed to do Mm -hmm. and wasted a lot of time and had problems and heartache because of it. Because God will send you places that on paper don't make a dang lick of sense. And He may keep you there for years and years, not just church, but in life. Uh, You're going to have trouble, Christ said. You will suffer. Things are not going to be good. And people are going to hate you because of me. All the, we, we really like to gloss over all that kind of stuff. And the reality is that even in church, God will call you to love people and to be up against and rub elbows with folks that you would prefer to avoid. All mm-hmm. of this is true. You can pro or con yourself into or out of anything. There is no substitute for listening to God's leading. And I have learned that yeah. the hard way so very many times. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think it says a lot about the church staff. I mean, when you get to those points, I, I, I was at a position and, and involved in ways with the church where I felt it necessary for me to call and tell the staff like what was going on and, and what I was feeling God telling me and what that meant for us. Um, and so I remember calling four or five of them and, and, and then some of them weren't happy and that, that's, that's fine. I mean, I understand that, but um the pastor of the church that I, that I stepped away from, um, and it's been about a year and a half ago, he, he said one of the things that, I mean, I already liked the guy's heart, but it like, it just, it kind of affirmed that this was okay. And that maybe this was 
Mm. I feel like I am doing what God's asking me, but he made the comment, you know, we should be comfortable with people being brought up in our churches to go elsewhere and to serve a purpose there. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I selfishly want to pray that you end up back here. But that said, if you end up needing to go somewhere, I would love for you to let us know so we can pray for you as you make that transition. That'll preach, dude. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, man. And I remember, I guess I was so nervous about having huh. some of those conversations. And, and I don't normally back away from, from conflict or tough situations, and, and nor did I. But I, it was just like, this could be very uncomfortable, um, especially even explaining some of the things that, that I felt I needed to move toward. You know, because yeah. it, how do you say I need to go to this without making it sound like where I'm at is, is doing something wrong? And, and I, you know, I, there were things I needed um, to look for. Not that that church is doing anything wrong. I think I mentioned last week, they're doing some great things and I'm watching them and watching the people I still talk to there. And um, I'm just blown away and encouraged by, by what uh, God is using them for. But the main thing came down to is that I. I got to this point where it was almost like a, a switch flipped even where it was, Hey, we've been here. It's been tough. We've had these issues and frustrations and that we felt like we were supposed to be here to, to live through. But now I feel disobedient and I feel like God's released us and we need to follow that. And there's no substitute for the clarity that comes with that moment. No, no, there's not, man. I wish everything was that clear because <laughs> I can't say that for every situation in my life, but, uh, I mean, it was, it was a pretty clear step and, and then getting to go somewhere and, and kind of re-engage with what was going on. Not again, not that I completely stepped away. It just, it, it kind of became where I was just on a, I don't know, almost felt like a robot at times where I was just doing what I'd done and I wasn't fully in it yeah. not because I, I didn't love God, not because I wasn't a Christian anymore, not because I hated the church, but because I wasn't uh, where I needed to be. And instead of going where I needed to be and, and doing what I was supposed to, I was kind of being complacent, which could be a whole nother episode, but that's where I had, had fallen into at the moment. Yeah. And I think another challenging thing is when you have that hunger for authenticity, as many folks do, and you're operating in an environment where authenticity is not necessarily valued... <laughs> I mean, obviously, we, we generalize a fair amount, but all we can do is speak from our experience and the experience right. of those who share their stories with us. And I know that that happens often enough to generalize about it, that people don't feel like uh, their real lives are welcome in the church, and they don't feel like the issues that they're wrestling with are what their peers in their Sunday school class or the folks who they run into during the service are either experiencing or wanting to talk about or um, even make sense of in a spiritual way? Well, I, I think there's also something to be said for um, maybe, I hate to use the phrase tempering our passions, but for being aware that whatever we are passionate about, caring about in the moment, isn't necessarily what everyone's going to be. Um, yeah. in on at the time, you know, because uh, mm -hmm. a lot of times we jump around on things. It's easy for me to kind of start looking into something and to, to stick on that for a while. I'm actually, uh, my, my pastor suggested a book to me a while back that I ordered and I, I haven't started yet. I'm about to, but the whole thing behind it, it's called Accidental Pharisee. And uh, we were having a conversation and it came up, but 
he mentioned that the whole deal behind it is how we oftentimes will pick something and accidentally become a Pharisee because of how big we're pushing it. Not that it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. but instead of focusing on God, we're pushing this this ministry or this activity or um, you know this class we took. You know, because I, I'm bad about that at times. I brought it up on multiple podcasts, but we're pushing that more so than we are pushing you know who, who Christ is and who He is and what He's doing and um, not that he doesn't use those things, but let's not get away from, from the core message um, just to step on our pedestal. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that comes from a good place, e- either because it's something that we're really passionate about and has helped us or helped us make sense of things. And so we want other people mm-hmm. to know about it and for it to help them. And then another way it can show up is when we look around and we see a lack of it and and it's like, well, we got to get more of this in here. Why aren't we talking about this? Or why aren't we doing this? Obviously, this is a good thing. Why aren't we, you know, I think it right. shows up for people that way too. Yeah, I agree. And, and I guess my main point in mentioning that's just, I mean, there are times when it's easy for me to get on a soapbox and, and maybe even come back to that point where it's like, well, why isn't everyone understanding this? Like, yeah. I just explained this really well and it doesn't seem like anyone cares. Like, and, and that can even at times cause pause or, or make you want to pull back from the community you're in if you feel hurt or you feel um, like people are uninterested in you. And I think what we have to do is come back to that point that, that you made earlier. Like it's, it's not about me. Um, the church doesn't exist. So I have a platform. Yeah. You know, that, that's not how that works. Uh, all of this is, is for God. You know, we made the, the comment a week or two ago. I can't remember which podcast it was, but oftentimes we, we read the Bible looking for ourselves or we go to church looking for something about us. And, and when we are doing that, we're, we've lost sight of what this is really about. And we're probably going to have a lot of problems. Yes. And I, I don't want to discount that that happens because it does. And I, again, I, th- I think that kind of disengagement is probably f- closer to flirting with deconstruction. I think those threads are mm. pretty close to each other. So that certainly does happen. But I don't want to discount or dismiss the folks who work so hard for so long and just feel like that they're getting nowhere and they don't belong. And they've tried everything they know to try no. and they've, they've prayed and they've listened and it's just not happening. I know those folks are out there because I've been one. And depending on the day, mm-hmm. I may still be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I, for one... I want to, you know, stick a hand out to those folks and say, hey, I, I get it. And yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay to feel these things. The, the question is, what are you, you going to do with these thoughts and feelings? And there, I think a lot of the time when we run up against stuff, it's just people we don't want to deal with, situations we don't want to deal with, discomfort we don't want to feel, hard work we don't want to do. All of that is true, but setting that aside, there are those times when you've given all that you can give and it's not enough and it's not working. And you, you feel that homelessness, for lack of a better word, and knowing when is the time, as, G- as Jesus puts it, to shake the dust off because people just will not have it. That's a, that's a really tough place to be, to be having to consider something like that. Yeah, well, and, and that brings up a good point. I mean, I, I don't, I by no means think that if you're in that place, it's just a matter of saying, 
okay, well, I just need to 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 buck up and figure this out and and make it. You, you may not need to be where you're at. That may yeah. not be a community that that suits the way God's made you or the way you 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 think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think again, I think that was part of my issue. Uh, and so I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think if you're not somewhere where you can truly grow, if you're not somewhere where people can uh, be in a position to hold you accountable, because if you're not connecting with people, my guess would be there's one of two things are happening. There's no one there holding you accountable or you've got some guy who's just taken it upon himself to, to mentor you without letting you know that. And then he's just trying to, you know, kind of push his way into your life. And, and, and not that that's a horrible thing. You know, there are some people who care and want to do it that way, but um, I've also seen that done wrongly what I would call wrongly in in ways too, you know? And so if, if that's not going to help build that community, that's not going to help you feel cared for. If you feel like someone's just pushing in so that they can have someone they're discipling, even though you don't feel like they really care about you. Yeah. If that makes sense. I don't know. I feel like I just kind of <laughs> drug that no, out, but it, it does because kind of because of my background and the stuff that I think about for work, uh, I think about the way cultures shape people, not just mm. your nation's culture, but there's your state and your city and your family group and your church and your denomination and your grocery store and whatever else. All of those have a particular culture because all of those, they have groups of humans coming together and interacting. And so they have a, a feel and a flavor to them. Church has a culture, generally. Christianity has a culture. And then it has a whole bunch of other smaller ones too. Mm-hmm. And um what you just described is one of those things. Discipleship, good. Therefore, go disciple. Well, that's all fine and well if you're doing it right. <laughs> right. But, but if, you're, uh, if you're not focused on the right things, if you haven't been trained, if you don't know what you're training for, if you don't know how to do things without an ulterior motive, like there, there's this whole church Christian culture thing that tells you what's important, but then doesn't encourage you to think about it. I think we've touched mm-hmm. on this before too. Like, okay, I'm I'm older than this other Christian, so I'm supposed to mentor him. Well, what does that mean? Are you self-aware yeah. enough to know all the ways you've screwed up? Because that's honestly how you can help people say, please uh-huh. don't do this dumb thing that I did. And then occasionally you might have a pearl of wisdom to hand out. But a lot of times it's just going to be sitting listening to them tell you how all the ways that their life has been wrecked. And uh, that, that's a rather, that's a different perspective. That's a different product. Dare I use the word than kind of this feel good. I'm going to teach you a thing or two, boy, that I think is what probably what you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and I feel like I, I see it a lot. I mean, you, you've kind of got these situations and, and I've even seen, um, where, I mean, people have treated it almost like drawing names out of a hat, you know? Yeah. Oh, great. I, I drew this name of an older person, this name of a, they're, they're going to meet together. And, and I, you know, I don't think your first meeting with a person should necessarily be where you decide it should not be because you're discipling them. Mm. You know, if there's someone you're going to disciple, I hope that that it's happening a little more naturally than that. Not, yeah. not that there's not some intentionality behind what you're doing. Oh boy. And, and this is, <laughs> oh man, that, that just, that opened up a whole avenue for me. Uh, this, this is another one of those things that we do without thinking about it mm-hmm. because it's just what you do. This is what Christians and churches and small groups and 
accountability. This is how you do it. It's something that has always sort of bothered me is the spiritual gifts inventory thing or the spiritual mm-hmm. gifts tests that you can take. I get it. It's well-intentioned, but filling out a worksheet is no substitute for listening to the Spirit of God and figuring out what he's developing and creating in you. Easier said than done, I know, and I don't want to be mm-hmm. flipping about it. But it's just, it's an example of, okay, I see what we're trying to do here. Have we thought about this? And have we thought about how this yeah. is going to be perceived by people when they kind of wake up and realize, I don't know that there's authenticity to this because the, it seems like these people are just going through the motions and they're well-intentioned, but they don't get me. They don't get all this yeah. garbage that's going on in my life. And furthermore, they don't want to. I think that's another thing that people not just deconstruct, but they want to disengage from, even if they're not interested in losing their faith or redefining their faith. It's like, well, I don't, I don't think I want community if it's going to be like this is I believe yeah. a thought a lot of people have. Yeah. Well, and, and what you just described, I mean, is a series of shortcuts. I mean, that's, that's why you've got that spiritual gift inventory because those things, those things take time to listen to and to hear and to develop. And if you don't want to wait, Hey, guess what? Here's this program. Go through it. You'll figure out your spiritual gifts based on, you know, the 20 multiple choice answers you gave. And, and, and that's what a lot of it boils down to. And guess what? You get to a point where the shortcuts become obvious and you don't want to take them. And so what do you do? You know, you, you step away from it because it, it just becomes, you know, there, there's a certain point when you're around the real thing enough that the fake becomes so obvious. Yeah. And I think when you're around the real thing, when you're, striving and yearning for, for authentic relationships, the fake ones just make you sick. Yeah, man, that landed on me, I've got to tell you, because what's like what I was saying a few minutes ago, I had those experiences that were so real and so vibrant and so authentic. And then to be a part of something else where somebody was telling you, this is the real thing, this is it. And you just know, no, it isn't because I've seen mm. the real thing and this is not it. If this helps you, fine, but no. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, Christian art at some point, whatever that means, mm-hmm. and music and worship and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's that thing where somebody's like, you know, if you've ever turned on Christian radio, and some of the stuff on there is just is so shallow. And I, don't, I know that yeah. sounds critical, but just from an artistic and musical perspective and lyrical perspective, it's just there's nothing hardly going on. And I've seen examples of beautiful art made by followers of Jesus offered up as a sacrifice to him that is wonderful and rich and has depth. And once you experience something like that, the other stuff just doesn't cut it. It's milk for solid food a lot of the time. And that word you use, shortcuts, I'm thinking of all, the reason I brought that up is that stuff is a shortcut. Or it's an entry. It's, it's like the first rung on the ladder. And the problem is, a lot, like we've, we've constructed a faith made out of shortcuts piled on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Give me the easy sermon with the three points I can apply. Give me the easy five-minute scripture reading devotional. Give me the easy song I can sing and feel good about. Give me the easy quote that I can apply. Give me the easy book that makes me feel good. Give me the shortcut. What is the quickest, easiest way to being a Christian? You know, and I, I say Christian, I mean, that's in air quotes. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's what can I do 
man, there's times I feel like I should bite my tongue, but it's, it's what should I do to appear the way I need to appear? Yeah, there is that. And, and let's be clear too. I think a lot of people are not doing that disingenuously. They're doing that because they think that's what they're supposed to do. It's what they know. It's what they've yes. been in for years. And yeah. once, once you have swam around in deep waters, it takes everything in you to get back into the shallows. And that sounds, mm. I, I don't mean that immodestly. I just mean that if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time and you have seen his goodness, I mean, really, and he has shown you some of the, the depth of his riches, if I can wax eloquent about it, like that parable in Matthew about bringing the stuff out of the treasure house, you can't go back from that. And it's really yeah. difficult when you feel like you've had those kind of experiences and the people that you're around haven't. You don't want to be uncharitable. You don't want to be condescending. You don't want to be arrogant. You want to love people around you, no matter mm. where they're at in their life and in their walk. But at the same time, it can be at times very challenging to make sense of that distance between you, whether it's real or perceived, between you and other people and know where you're supposed to land. To try to do that, that is, on the one hand, like if you're still in that kind of community that's not totally disingenuous where you're just walking in all cynical and you have nothing to offer anybody because you're wearing your feelings on your sleeve <laughs> or where you're just like, screw all this. I'm done with it. I'm, I'm never coming back. And as we've, we've talked about before, there's the kind of disengagement where you say, okay, I'm done here. And then that's it. You're just kind of yeah. dangling off on your own. Yeah. Well, and, and I love the analogy you just used uh, because, I mean, you're right. There's, once you've experienced that deepness, it, it is tough to go to the shallow end, but, but that's not to say you don't. But when you do, it better be to find someone that you can help take deeper and help them experience that, mm -hmm. that richness of God's grace and mercy. And um, there should never be, as believers, we should never be comfortable with where we're at. There should always be more that we're trying to understand about God and about who he is. Um, not more that we're trying to attain on our own, but, but more that we're trying to learn. And, and if that's authentic, you're going to want to bring people with you. Oh, you're going to want to yeah. build that community. Yeah, and you're going to want people to experience what God is showing you. Um, I mean, look at the woman in the well. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. And she just went on, you know, living her yeah, life. That's, like That's a great quote, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's nice. I'll write that down or, you know, tattoo it somewhere or something. But no. I'll put it that was, on Pinterest. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it, it was, uh, I'll go and I'm going to tell everyone I know. Mm. You know I do wonder if, if that was like an Instagram, if, if there would be the picture of the well behind it. Um, but, you know, I mean, what, th that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to paint something pretty and nice and and a lot of times that comes across fake to me, maybe wrongly. Yeah. Um, that's why if, if listeners haven't picked up on it by now, I, I'm not just the biggest, uh, what's the word, champion of social media. Um, not that I think it's horrible. I just, I think it's a good way to display what we're talking about, the shortcuts, the, the disingenuous, um, and not really get to know people and spend the time letting them get to know you, the real you. It's the socially constructed, digitally communicated self. And that guy is never going to be who you are. That woman is yeah. not you. And 
I have noticed the things that it makes you care about and the things it makes you, uh, the way it makes you view yourself is yeah. ultimately, I don't think shapes us into the kind of people God wants us to be. That's not to say you can't ever right. be on there or you can't post a picture of your dinner. Like we're, we're not, <laughs> not saying it's going to suck, suck you down into an evil wormhole, but it's another thing that you need to use wisdom about. And it yeah. just seems like wisdom is not welcome in that space. Well, and so, so tell me this, Taylor, because and, and the first time I had this thought is about 40 seconds ago now. So yeah. maybe it's not that uh, well thought out. But I mean, do you think social media has played a great deal in allowing people to disengage from church and their communities as well? Oh, incredibly so, because yeah. it sells you authenticity without giving you any. Yeah. And so if yeah. it is your perception that you have all these connections with people and all this this depth of interaction, then you will not look for it in real life. Yeah. Well, and, and for me, it even comes back to an issue of, of who are we pointing to? Yeah. The platform thing that you mentioned comes to mind. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, social media is a, a good way to try and point people more to you and what you're doing. Even when you're posting, you know, here's yeah. this verse I read. And, and I mean, again, I don't think everyone's ill-intentioned in doing it. Even in your ill intentions, I think God can use it. Um, you know, thankfully, God is glorified even in areas where I have royally done wrong. Um, but I do think oftentimes motivations may be to put something out there that may not be genuine. And I think we have to be careful with that. If it's pointing people to look at us and say, oh, man, they've got it, got it together. Or, oh, they're reading that. They must be doing good. Um, yeah, I fear for that because and and maybe it's just um, where I'm at and where what God's revealed to me. I mean, I, there's a large part of me that um, never feels like I've got it figured out, and and I take joy and hope in the fact that I I can't on my own. Um, I think there's hope in that that God is bigger and He's in control. So even though in many ways I am worthless and and no good, God is. Um, yeah, and and that's comforting to me. Well, and he, he's not going to leave us to just dangle around on our own. I mean, he would have done that. There, there's, a, there's a line in a song by a band called As Cities Burn, mm. and it goes, um, if, if you wanted to untie your end and just let love be cut off, you could do that, but you, but you don't. I'm sure if you wanted to stop love, you could just untie your end and let it go, but you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Such a powerful line. It is, yeah. You bringing up the social media thing is interesting because it's an analog to what we've been talking about in that it is a sphere of human interaction that encourages you to be disingenuous. And mm. a lot of what we've been talking about about church and Christianity works that same way in that to be authentic is, is, is uncomfortable and painful and to be vulnerable with people that you may know and not even necessarily like, well, who wants to sign up for that crap? <laughs> right and so it's in the same way as it's it's so much easier to present a version of your a digital version of yourself that is better than who you really are or at least is strategic and no. communicating only the things you want to communicate for so many reasons like your church self or your christian self i think a lot of people feel a lot of pressure to present themselves a certain way rather than just being themselves and letting yeah. the warts show and not celebrating sin 
or celebrating failures, but acknowledging, hey, man, I'm human over here. And, and so are you, by the way. And why don't we start there? You know, it, it's and I don't know why this popped into my head, but I and nor am I telling anyone to necessarily go watch this movie. But um, <laughs> the movie Eight Mile was very popular um, years ago. I, I, did you ever watch it? No, I know what about it is, Eminem but, and, and yeah. his life. And I, I don't know. I uh, I saw it a handful of times when I was younger, but I think of this scene where, you know, they're, they're having these rap battles and basically it's let's just diss the other person as much as possible. And essentially on one of the, the closing scenes, Eminem's character jumps up there and... Spoiler alert for 8 Mile. Yeah, I know, should I not? Surely people have seen it, right? You I'm, I'm going to throw it out there, but yes, yeah, spoiler alert. Essentially what he does is goes ahead and lays out all the bad stuff about him that the other guy could say. And then essentially throws the mic to him and says, go ahead and tell these people something they don't already know about me. Like, mm. and, and that genuineness, I, I almost feel like that's what we should be. Like God has, has straight up said in the Bible who we are, that there are yeah. none who are good. Um, there are none who are righteous, not one. But yeah, let's go ahead and pretend to be. That's a good idea, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there's, and I don't think this story is told concurrently. All of that is true, but also we are his beloved and his great delight, despite all yeah. that stuff, <laughs> you know, and not because we're awesome. There's nothing that yeah. we can do or add to that. It's just because he loves us because he does. And, mm. you know, that's a better story than I'm awesome and deserving of merit. Yeah. But that's not, not the one that I want to tell a lot of the time. I want people yeah. to think I'm awesome. Yeah. Because guess what? We, we have nothing to do with a real story. A lot of people don't like that. Well, that doesn't sell books, does it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ten ways to not having, having life figured out. That, uh, that's a bestseller. But sorry going down the eight-mile trail. I don't know why that popped into my head. But... It's instructive because you, and gosh, this is easier to say than, you do, than to do, but you, um, you take away that stuff's power over you, mm -hmm. when, you can, when you can just have it out there in that way. And especially, and I think this is part of it, when, you're when you are vulnerable with somebody, you're giving your power away to them in that you can't clutch and control that stuff once somebody else has access to it. And a lot of people just don't want to do that either because it sounds uncomfortable or because they've had an experience where they did that and they got burned by it. And so many people in the church have had that experience where they put their stuff out there and it came back to bite them or they tried to engage and people didn't want it or they were abusive or unkind to them. Unfortunately, those are very real, real realities and yet another set of reasons why people disengage from faith. I, th I think I know where I want to land. Do you have anything else you want to cover? I think we've also talked a lot about being in the Word and truly understanding what it is. And, and I think you bring up a good point because it would be very easy in some ways to, um, to look at the... Yes, that the verse, you know, um, there are none good in camp there. But like you said, there's, there's other verses that tell the full story. Um, even understanding, yeah, we're, there's, there's maybe no good in this, but there's also, therefore, no condemnation, you know. Um, you know, that there's, there's something to be said there. So if we stop or camp out too long on, on one thing, uh, we may miss what God's really trying to tell us because we're not willing to, to read enough of the story. If, if I stay too long in one place and I get down, and and allow shame to fill my life when it shouldn't it's going to be a lot easier to disengage and pull away yeah well it's it's that thing of if you nurture thoughts like none of these people are like me none of these people understand me none of these people get it disengaging is really easy 
even oh, yeah. if there's some truth to that, that's, that's still not going to be very helpful. And so you got to, mm-hmm. I, I think we should be very reticent to find ourselves in that position, thinking those things and to try to be very aware of our own, what's going on in our own hearts and minds when we're having those feelings. Cause that may be from your flesh. That may be from the enemy. You may not be seeing, you may be operating out of your pain or out of your discomfort, that may not be the reality of the situation, or at least not the whole reality. And we have to be, we have yeah. to be wise about that and self-aware about those things. Absolutely. Well, and, and even, even looking to, I mean, I think it was brought up during deconstruction that there's, um, there are ways to do that, and there are needs for that. There are times for that. I think the same can be said for these other things. Um, maybe not as, as well, but maybe there is a time to disengage for a moment to where you can yeah. truly focus on on your walk with Christ and who he is. Now again, I don't think that means, you know, sending everyone away from you or going to Alaska and, and bearing down in the woods for a month, maybe. Um, doesn't sound too bad in some aspects, but <laughs> but it, it may mean pulling away and finding someone close to you to help get you through that time. Um, entrenching. Probably even a case to be made for at times for for being in a spot where you need to really dig into to your values. Now let's make sure it's it's values that align with the Bible. Let's make sure it's you know, biblical truths and not something you shouldn't be entrenching into. But I think there's something to be said for that too. I think what these three things have in common is that they are moments you get stuck in. Mm-hmm. And that something that you kind of hit on earlier was that this is a process that doesn't end. Yeah. And that it isn't that you focus on this one thing and that sums up the whole of you and your Christian experience. or what I said a minute ago is I had those formative experiences. They were wonderful. They were so impactful, but that was then. And this is now. And Hmm. I have to have God is, wants to continue to do things that were greater than that. And if I'm so stuck on that stuff, I'm not going to see what he has for me now, whether you are entrenching, deconstructing or disengaging those are processes that have a beginning and an end, I think, and that have logical conclusions that they lead you to. And they're processes with a beginning and an end in the negative sense when, when they're not a good thing, in that when they don't lead to reconstruction or, or just construction, I feel like, yeah. like the house analogy, you can either build a wall around it or you can tear it down or you can say, well, I'm going to stay in here and nobody's allowed to come over. <laughs> Uh, but the reality is that God is always seeking to build onto the house. He's seeking to improve the foundation, add another room for somebody to stay in, put a porch back here, go drink coffee on it. You know, this is kind of funny analogy, but we are always under construction in that way. And if we're not careful, these three things can get us stuck at, at one point of the process or another. But the point is always that the work of the Spirit in our lives would continue and that these things would not um, short-circuit that process. By way of kind of circling this back and putting a bow on it, to somebody who is feeling, who's in that spot where they want to disengage or they have, I want to remind you of something. Real church, if it's anything, is what you see in Acts. Not just that one verse, but how, how do the believers interact with each other? And you find that it's a bunch of different ways. They met in the marketplace and they met in people's houses and they met in the temple courts and 
they ate together and they praised God with glad and sincere hearts, the scripture says, and they, had, they shared with each other and they bore one another's burdens. If that is a part of your life with other believers, you're having church. Mm-hmm. Whether that's on a Sunday morning or driving in your car with someone or sitting on the back porch with someone or on a Zoom call or on a phone call, when the lives of believers intersect, led and empowered by the Spirit in the name of Jesus, is where church happens. And if you can never bring yourself to step foot in a church again, that's okay as long as you're not missing those things. If you can find another person, or better, persons, to come sit on your porch and open the scriptures with you and to pray with you and over you and to sharpen you and to speak truth to you and to listen to you as you speak truth to them, you're having church. You can still have church without all this other, you know, stuff that we pile on top of it. But also, it may be that God is telling you and wants you to continue to participate because he wants people to look at you and see an example of what authentic faith is like, no matter how hard it may be for you. He will equip you and he will empower you and sustain you in that endeavor. But regardless, there is a way out. You don't have to be alone sound like a freaky freaking radio talk serial host now <laughs> but I, I like it <laughs> god will make a way for you to continue to be a part of the people of god if that's the honest desire of your heart if you can get past your pain if you can get past your anger and your discomfort and your just kind of <laughs> discombobulation or throwing up your hands and saying ah, i don't know what to do with any of this if you honestly seek him he'll give you the desires of your heart and if your heart is molded after his these are the things that you're going to want and he's going to bring them to you we can trust in him because he's he's a good father who takes care of his kids well that wraps up our three episode series entrench deconstruct and disengage we would love to hear whatever feedback that you might have as long as it's good kidding but in all seriousness if you have a story that's either a part of your experience or is a part of the experience of somebody that you care about, we would love to hear it if you would be willing to share it with us. We'd like, if we get enough feedback, to do kind of a recap episode, sharing some of those stories. can be anonymous if you want, but um, if this has been helpful for you, please share it with somebody else that it might help make sense of some of these things. Thank you guys for listening very much. You can send any feedback to unbetweenpodcast at gmail.com.